The following conversation originally aired on The Point on KPOV 88.9 FM High Desert Community Radio in Bend, Oregon. Airing weekdays at 9 a.m., The Point is a half-hour, locally produced show focusing on people and events in Central Oregon. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of The Point. I'm J.C. Silk speaking to you from our KPOV studio. Joined by my co-host, Louise Kaplan. And our guest this morning is Amy Stahl founder of Metolius Tea, so stay with us. Good morning, Amy Stahl, and welcome to the Wednesday Point. We are thrilled to have you with us today to talk about one of my favorite parts of the day, tea time. Thank you for having me. Can you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and what inspired you to open Metolius Tea? Yeah, yeah. Let's see. I never planned to open a tea company. It opened me. It happened very, very gradually, and I think I was the last person to know that I was starting a tea company. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us what you mean by that. Yeah, so um, I think it really started a latent interest in plant medicine when I was the young, impressionable age of 17 and found myself in Eugene, Oregon, going to college, and I ended up in this hippie co-op that was like a dilapidated frat building and they had uh, decided to house forest defenders for free and so they lived the forest defenders stayed in the basement when they weren't living in the forest and they were they were people who lived in the forest to prevent illegal old growth logging and they smelled so good (laughs) and they had a light behind their eyes that was something I'd never seen before and I was like who are these people What makes them so embodied and so bright? So, of course, I decided to become an anarchist and move to the forest and uh, find out what this was all about. And I became a forest defender. And I realized that a big part of that wild embodiment was this connection to plants. Wildcrafting plants, being attuned to the plants around them. And that really started this interest in plant medicine. And then I went on for undergrad and graduate school and and never really fully dove into what is this about plants until until after school. And when I was finished with school, I started wildly and madly studying herbalism and plant medicine and fell in love with plants. Uh, A lot of you remember a local tea shop that uh, used to be here that kindly allowed me to design a medicinal tea menu for them. So I got to start making teas, putting uh, different plants together and and practicing putting functional functional herbs together and seeing how people liked them. Of course, if a medicine works, it doesn't necessarily mean it tastes good. Mm. So I learned very quickly that there has to be a pleasure element to to teas working. And then from there, I started to really get interested in in the, the pleasure aspect of tea, teas that were not necessarily for a function at all, like tummy tea or headache tea. I started to be interested in like the vitality and and quality of like a perfect Earl Grey. So I was drinking a bunch of like really fancy single estate black teas, like from Yunnan, China, for example. And then I was drinking blended teas and I realized like Earl Grey for example and then I started to realize that there's this huge chasm in tea there's like two worlds there's the blended tea world well there's the medicinal tea world which barely even counted that was my original passion and then there's the blended tea world like lemon flavored black tea or whatever and like blueberry bliss 
green tea, that kind of stuff. And then there was fancy tea, like uh, pure bud, single estate, high mountain, harvested uh, Yunnan black tea. And these worlds were so separate that uh, each world either didn't know about the other world or completely tipped their noses. And, and I said, I really want fancy black tea with bergamot and vanilla that makes an Earl Grey. And I couldn't find it. Like, I searched everywhere. And now there's a couple companies that do this. But at the time, no one was making a really high-quality Earl Grey because it was a blended tea. So they used the cheap leaves and the synthetic flavoring instead of real real bergamot, real vanilla, and high-quality black tea. So I kind of jumped from herbalism to blending black teas and green teas and and using that quality of the single estate teas, but blending uh, without synthetic flavoring. So that was kind of my journey up to that point. I think I was still living in like tree houses in people's backyards and um, just kind of schlepping on my own. And it was more of an academic interest and an experiment. And and then eventually I got to the point where I had like uh, maybe a downtown basement apartment with a giant shelf of herbs and a local coffee roaster let me rent like four let me rent that's not right gave me 400 square feet of his warehouse that I was allowed to work out of and I started selling to local coffee shops because I love coffee shop culture and I love baristas and working with baristas so I found my niche working with um, selling tea to coffee shops before I knew it I ended up with a bunch of employees and more space and um, here I am like 10 years later so when you were researching herbalism, did you find anything that shocked you or that maybe the listener would benefit from knowing about tea and how it can treat ailments? Yeah, uh, junipers are bad for your liver. So just because they're local doesn't mean they're good for you. I find it's really interesting how people make this assumption. I've made this assumption that the nature is benign. And in fact, it's the opposite. Nature is very powerful. It doesn't mean it's always benign just because something is natural. Plants have a lot of power. So I turned myself yellow once by having uh, too much of a juniper berry decoction. (laughs) That's how you learn. That's how you learn. So now that you have a lot of different ingredients in your tea, how do you, since you focus on small batch farmers, Mm -hmm. how do you find these ingredients like Peruvian ginger, Mm -hmm. Madagascar vanilla, or uh, black leaves from China? Do you go to those countries yourself or... Um, I have. I've been to China. I'm going to Nepal this summer, which I'm really excited for. Um, I haven't been everywhere yet, but I will be. You know, it's really difficult to Google highly ethical uh, small batch tea or spice farmer. Like, you don't actually get that much. And it's been amazing how hard it is to find these people who are doing highly ethical farming work and uh, at a small scale. And that's what I've been searching for since I started my company. I realized at some point that I had to get a lot bigger as a company if I were going to be able to reach and have any effect on an international level economically and with these farming projects. And, and I slowly luck myself into these relationships, but I have No methodology for finding them. What is your criteria for an ethical farmer? Mm -hmm. So um, there's a lot of big organic 
tea and spice companies where you don't get to know who is behind that ingredient. You don't get to know the farmers. They don't invite you to see the farm. It's almost impossible to find um, like fair trade spices. But what you can do is if you can find the relationships where, like for example, I'll use La Faza Vanilla. They are a vanilla bean co-op where the money goes directly to the vanilla bean farmers. There's tons of human rights abuses around the vanilla bean trade. And this company's whole purpose is to do vanilla in a way that is gives back to the people first. And um, it's actually grown in, in the rainforest. So it's a bi- biodynamic farm. It's basically a forest of a farm and, and doing it in a way that, that prioritizes the people first. So well, find it, finding those relationships. Vanilla has gotten super expensive. Why? It's... You, it's a, it's actually it's an it's an orchid. You, I I've been to a biodynamic spice farm in Costa Rica and seen how they pollinate each flower. It's it's a very very intense process. So um, it should be expensive. And you know, as long as the people are getting the money, it's worth it. And you are an ethics forward business, and that is beyond the growing of tea you also carry that to your employees can you speak a little bit about that yeah that's something that i'm most interested in right now um we were talking a little bit before the show about how passions can evolve and you know at first it was plant medicine and then it was tea blending and design and then it was chai designing the perfect chai took over my heart for years and and right now i'm super interested in the concept of how the structure of an organization can um, can reflect the values of an organization. So we had some crises and some turnover with COVID, and um, and also just me having a newborn and <laughs> just turnover with the economy in the last couple of years. And through that, I was able to reimagine the structure of Metolius T itself. So we actually scrapped a really rigid hierarchy where we had um, a manager, leads, and assistants, and everybody had their own little pay structure based on where they were in the hierarchy because we realized that there were people who were working as an assistant who were bringing so much to the table, but the higher levels of the hierarchy were already like holes that were plugged. And so we realized this is not reflective of our organization. So we decided to scrap the hierarchical model completely, gave everybody a, way, a raise, and decided, you know what, we're all really great communicators. We can run this as a lateral organization, an organic organization where hierarchies develop organically, but they are not rigid and encoded. So we have a lateral model and we really value flexibility. We value our people, even at the detriment of the company. It is worth it. It is important to always focus on the people and their needs. And it's evolving as we go. We enrolled a profit share. Um, so when the business profits, the people profit. And we are we're still making it up every day as we go. Amy, I was wondering if you have a customer reaction that sticks with you and makes you know that you're doing the right thing in the world. Hmm, I have so many. Um, not one comes to mind, but I just, I just do love getting emails from my, from my customers with thank you notes and 
those moments when when people feel really seen and it has nothing to do with tea as more to do with customer service and um the way that we would like to run our business and do run our business when when customers just feel acknowledged that's what i like to do as a business what has been the biggest lesson in being a business owner <laughs> it's been a constant process of lessons and unfolding um a business is a really good form of therapy in that you are faced with a direct reflection of your strengths and your weaknesses. And if you want to make something that is worthwhile for the people around you, for your farmers, for your employees, for your family, for your children, you have to face your deficits and become stronger in ways that that you might be too scared to or you may not have to if you didn't have so much hanging on it or maybe you've never had the opportunity mm -hmm. so you felt like a tea maker for the first time designing your earl gray tea yes and also your chai tea was pretty extensive in designing so what goes into designing a great tea oh my goodness <laughs> completely losing yourself and falling into a tunnel where it's the only thing you can think about. That's what happened with the, the, with the chai. My, my daughter will say, oh, the pink notebook, because she remembers I had this pink notebook. And for the chai, because it's a, it's a liquid product, there was a lot of chemistry involved. Like, how do I get these essential oils out of the plant and into the water? Even though a lot of, a lot of spices are um, fat-soluble, not water-soluble. So I had to figure out how to pull that uh, that flavor into really, really small amount of water and ginger and sugar and lock it in. Basically, I just became obsessed and I had this pink notebook for like a year wherever I went. So I was like, oh, the, the, the days of the, the pink notebook. Um, so yeah, I think there's a little bit of a, a madness that, that goes into it. Um, although my thesis advisor in graduate school did give me the best advice that that I've had for the creative process, and that is sometimes the most important part of making something is stopping. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, like right now, for example, I've been working for over six months on making a tea for the library that they're going to sell for making profits for the library. There's not exactly a deadline on it, but I, I really want to get it done. I really want to get it right. And I've been working and working and working. I've been putting coconut and rooibos and bergamot and trying all these different varieties together. I want it to be something that's really reflective of like a calm, cozy reading kind of nook. And I just have been up against a wall. And I remembered my advisor from graduate school saying, stop. And so sometimes with the creative process, you just have to stop and then let it work itself out behind your back and then move forward again and it all comes together. I was reading your interview with Bend Magazine and you talked about designing a series of teas for charity. Has that come into fruition? Well, um, I have started this new program that I'm pretty excited about called the Tea for Good program and I am sourcing four really beautiful, unique teas from around the world. Like our first one, for example, is a green tea from Nepal, from the, the garden that I'm going to visit in June. And we match the profits from this program and give it to uh, international scholarships for kids in tea growing regions. So. 
so much design because they're all single estate teas, but it does give me the wonderful opportunity to drink some really unique teas from around the world and connect with farmers I wouldn't be able to connect with otherwise. And uh, I just needed a place in my business that didn't have to be successful where I could just give all the money away, spend more money than I make, and do and do something that to me is all about ethics and not about even making ends meet. So that's my new little pet project. Are those scholarships for students who want to also be involved in tea? Uh, not necessarily. It's just access to education for, for young people who um, are in economies or um, countries where it's not as accessible. And you began Metolius Tea by driving out to independent coffee shops and selling your product yourself. Um, did you imagine that your business would grow to the size it has? No. No, it was just a hobby for so long. I don't even want to add up how many cents I made on the hour. It was it was just a, a meandering kind of thing. I didn't expect it to be what it is today, and I'm super grateful that it is. Your tea isn't just for drinking. Tell us what some local bakeries are doing with your tea. Oh my gosh, our chai is really good for baking with. Lots of people put it in um, anywhere that you would use like a honey or a, or a sugar, you can use the chai. So one of our employees makes this amazing cinnamon bread and she puts chai in it. Um, another really lovely thing is anytime you use a cream in baking, like a creme brulee, you can steep the cream in tea and then make the recipe as you would. So Earl Grey creme brulee. Oh, that sounds delicious. It does. Do you have any advice for someone who's maybe exploring a passion right now but has experienced failure or wants to give up since you are doing something that you're so passionate about? What advice would you give to someone like that? Uh, be brave and do everything your mentors ask you to do, even if you don't think that it's a good idea. Like, I don't want to write my SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and I don't remember the last one. Uh, I don't want to, but George told me I'm supposed to. Do what your mentors ask you to do and treasure your mentors. So we are coming up to the end of our show. Could you tell listeners where to find out more about Metolius Tea? Uh, MetoliusTea.com. Sounds perfect. It's a great website. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for listening to this KPOV podcast. KPOV is community radio for the high desert of Central Oregon. For more information and for our program schedule, go to kpov.org. We value your feedback. Drop us a note at podcast at kpov.org.